<laughs> oh, the big guy here. I'm taking a moment out of my busy day to congratulate the boys on 60 episodes and to remind you to support BLSF. <laughs> well, I use those tips that Ree and Matt have taught me all the time. Well, you should see some of my great photos of the reindeer games. Oh, they're totally awesome, man. <laughs> oh, well, remember, this show is brought to you by people like me. So join us in supporting these guys. Well, gotta go. Mrs. needs me to put a little sugar on it, if you know what I mean. <laughs> Coming up for me, climbing stuff. And I also went to Japan. Matt's done a lot of ice hockey. The Simon Desk, we feel that there is an improvement. Masterclass stuff. Go on to pledge queues where people ask us questions about things. Someone from Canada in Cross Counter. Episode 6-0 is next. You cannot be serious! That ball was on the line! And ladies and gentlemen, Elvis has just left the building. Konnichiwa, this is Ryu Voko. Shalom, this is Matt Cohen. Welcome to Big Lens Fast Shutter, where we demystify the world of sports photography. And if you have forgotten it, I know you haven't. It is never too late to send a couple of bucks our way. Since this is a 100% user-funded audio-visual entertainment, please go to patreon.com slash B-L-F-S. And that is p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com slash B-L-F-S. And show us how much you love us because we are here to make you a better sports photographer. So, news. News. Here at News, both Ryu and I will tell you our best and worst shoot of the previous month. And we talk about ourselves because we like to. And we like to talk about ourselves. Yeah, it was an interesting month, huh? I have to say, like, if, you know, not a lot of football. You know, let's not start with me. Let's start with the uh, mercurial Matt Cohen. <laughs> what happened in November? Uh, mostly I shot hockey, which is good. I've really been enjoying shooting hockey the last couple of years. Like Kevin. Yeah, I don't get to shoot as much hockey as Kevin does, but that's basically what I'm shooting right now. So, yeah, it's been good. The key to hockey is <laughs> being around long enough where you can shoot through the holes at ice level because for the first couple of years that I did it, it was really brutal. I just had to shoot with a 400 from the TV camera spot. The hockey's so fast and you have such a limited field of view when you're shooting through the hole because the hole is really only big enough for you to put your lens through. Like it's not even, you have to take the lens hood off because it's not even big enough to fit the lens hood through for a 7200. You really have to get used to the speed and you have to get used to watching through the glass and knowing you know, what parts of the ice you're going to have a good shot on. So the last couple of years, I've been getting pretty consistent ice time. And so it's been good. So I've been enjoying that. I haven't really had any bad shoot. I had a really boring football shoot in the rain. And I don't mind shooting in the rain, even though it's a pain in the ass. But when you shoot in the rain on AstroTurf, it's just you're really not getting anything out of it. I shot a bunch of muddy rodeos this year. And it's fun because the mud's flying around and it makes for really good pictures. But 
rain on astroturf just is boring. So that was the only bad shoot I had. Yeah. It doesn't get it doesn't get like dirty enough. It doesn't get dirty. There's doesn't no dirt at all. It's just like you can't you know, unless somebody's getting hit and the water's flying off or they're stepping in on the turf with a lot of force, you're not even gonna be able to tell. So so I'm a bit out of it. I just came back from Japan because I did a shoot in Japan and it was like a four-day trip. So I think it's like three nights, I think three nights and four days. And um, as you can probably guess, there's a bit of a time difference between Japan and Berlin. And uh, I'm a bit suffering from that. I kind of like really briefly talk about because it was an official photography thing. This is not, not the one from Japan because that's like an actual photo shoot, but after an event. And I've told you that I've been doing a lot of climbing recently. Um, not doing myself, but um, shooting it. I did one in Stockholm and I was like, for the first time in my life, I was an official photographer. I have to say the money was okay. The access was just amazing. So you can basically go wherever you want to go and no one says anything because you're the official photographer. If people try to say, hey, you're in the way, I just say I'm the official photographer. And I'm sure Matt can attest to that as well. Matt did actually tell me before we started the recording that now a lot of you will be a f- official photographer just for this fact that just not that many opportunities out there. If you do, like really enjoy it. You know, it's really just a great feeling to be able to have the access that you never had before you became one you just want to i just want to really say that i really want you to enjoy it if that's going to be the case i just came back from japan for the adidas shoot and then the one for the stockholm also quite briefly it was a bit of a also a bad shoot because of the fact that i thought things were going to go a certain way with any sport you kind of guess what's going to happen during the game so you kind of you know have a bit of a um, simulation going on in your head thinking i'm going to shoot from here for this and shoot from that for this and that kind of stuff and that kind of like all went haywire because of the fact that the climbers were too good. I don't want to kind of get into it, but the, it really just was unexpected how good they were. And that didn't really give me enough time to do the stuff that I wanted to do. But, you know, you can't really do anything about it. You just have to take it and make sure you do a decent job doing um, the, the shoot. That was like kind of like my, yeah, my, my best and the worst of it. But it's one of those things that if I have to do it again, I will be a bit more ready and not kind of underestimate how things will happen because if you are the official photographer you do have to produce images for the client and they expect you to do so and if you don't then they probably won't ask you to do it again as far as i can tell they were happy with the photos that i've shot so um hopefully i'll get called next year which is really around the corner at this point now i'll keep on doing the climbing stuff and that looks like it will be like about once a month i will do the climbing stuff this is the 60th anniversary i just want to thank each and one of you for listening to us for the past God knows how long and for the people who just kind of started listening to us you have basically 60 episodes you can listen to and hopefully you're gonna enjoy all of it some of them probably not as good as the others but some of them are yeah should be quite helpful for your sports photography life so saying that we are going to go and talk about other stuff we have a couple different services that we offer for pay and one of it is uh, called Critical Beatdown. And what we do is that, which is $100, and you can submit up to 15 photos. And both Matt and I will critique, critique your um, portfolio on video. You can choose to have the video made public or you can have it private. It's really up to you. If it's made public, other listeners can, listeners can basically see what you've shot so far which I think is a very, very good thing because at the end of the day, you have to show it to someone, an editor or an agency, whatever. So if you're interested in something like that, 
please email us at saveme at biglensfastshutter.com. And once again, that is saveme at biglensfastshutter.com. And that will be the end of news. We give you an assignment and you show us if you've been listening, don't doze off and show us that you've been an attentive student or a bad one. And I have to say, you guys been very, very good. So hopefully this trend will continue and you will basically have a lot of people producing really good stuff. And that's what we want, obviously, you know, because we want you to kind of push yourself, do some, make some, uh, you know, good pictures because otherwise you're not going to learn anything and that really kind of sucks. By the way, I actually got to speak to Kevin Sosa about some work-related stuff for the first time, and he told me that I sound exactly the same as a podcast, so maybe. Maybe not. I don't know. <laughs> All right. I don't even know what that's supposed to mean. I met Michael Mozart, and I also like talked to Kevin. So it was like, you know, it was a, this year was a very strange one. I got to, I didn't get to meet any, oh, I, got, I met Michael Mozart, but I didn't get to meet Kevin, but I at least got to speak to him. But you met someone, didn't you? I thought you did. Yeah, from time to time, I meet people who, who've listened. The funny thing is my wife's new boss... I think I see my, your wife's, <laughs> listens wife's to new us. boyfriend. Okay, what was that? No, my, <laughs> wife's, my wife's new boss listened even like before he knew who she really? was and before he knew who I was and before he knew that, that we were married. And it just, you know, kind of came up through somebody else at the company that he was a sports photographer no. and they suggest that he listened and he said no i already do listen and then everybody put two and two together no, that's cool. that. so that's kind of a okay pretty amazing coincidence it's good it's good it's not bad he's not your wife's boyfriend and that's fine about that right <laughs> it's fine with me <laughs> hello jackie's boss okay good does he actually enter into any of these things? He doesn't, does he? Uh, he's done training ground a couple of times. I think that his excuse is that he's been too busy recently. Ah, no, not good enough, boss. Let's go ahead with the assignment desk. And just having a brief look at it. No, it really like you guys have been, yeah, listening and doing stuff. Yeah, there's, yeah. there's some good pictures here. I think that maybe the one thing that we might have mentioned before this that we didn't I don't want to pick on anybody here, but if you look at Bogdan's picture of the hockey player in yellow coming up on the goal, like there's a difference between something that's just in the way because it has to be in the way. Unintentional. You, you know? know, like you're shooting from behind the goal and the goal is always going to be in the way. You know, these other pictures, people were, most of them, you know, people were looking for a way to put something in between. And so there's a level of composition that goes into it because there was thought that went into it. And this, this, it's not a bad picture. It's fine, whatever. But the thing is that it doesn't really, it's not what we were looking for. And we, I guess, weren't especially clear on that, but you know, you can use things that are stationary. There are, which one, the, the one that Simon's the one that uses the padding around the goalpost um you know that's stationary that's the easy one huh? yeah that's the easy one yeah it, it, it is easier but you know it still can be done but what you don't want is just something that's that's there and it's just in the run of shooting is gonna always be there like this is what we're looking for are some of these other ones where there are players and then it, I like this one from T Mac 680 so you can just see the guy who's shooting 
just his one eye and then you can see some other faces but they're all blurred out like this is what we're looking for with you know you're isolating a little bit of one thing with a bunch of other things around it like that's what we're looking for the kevin's picture of drogba uh to a lesser extent i mean it's a you know it's a nice picture and everything but it's not no, it, no. It, he's not as isolated no. as um you know as the other one like there's just I, what i'm saying is that just had the eye and the other one and the I was following the ball, so that's kind of has the impact. Even though this Kevin's picture is prettier, it's not quite the same because there's way more space and Drogba's not doing anything. It's just his face, and really, the only reason we're drawn to this is because it's Drogba. So I didn't even know it was Drogba. Uh, I was like, I yeah, now I yeah, know. well, now as you mentioned. Anyway, um, no, I don't think the Kevin's one's very very good. No, so and this other one by Timothy Ritter is kind of the same. Like you have part of the ball and you have the quarterback's concentration. Colors off on this, but I'm not. You know that wasn't the assignment. Um, the assignment was things blocking, and this is almost completely blocked. So that's what we're looking for, and and we'll probably do this one again. But what we're talking about is something that you're not going to see this kind of angle on TV. You're not going to see this kind of angle in an ad or something like that. Like this is you creating something from what you've been given. And that's what we're looking for is like, how can you use that space and how can you use the blocking to, to get something that's, that's got some kind of an impact to it. So that's what we're looking for. And I, I think that T max is probably the best. And then uh, Timothy after that, you know, these other ones are, you know, satisfying the requirements of it, but they're just, you know, two different degrees, you know, better or worse. It's really like if, you know, like Matt said, like if something is like not moving, it's a lot easier. It really is. Whether that's the one in the foreground or the background, it's really like, yeah, this is really not a very easy thing to do. It's more probably the very, the hardest one. The bar is higher. And if you're using something that's, that's stationary, it's easier to do that, which means that we're looking for anybody's going to be looking for something that's that's much better like i've seen nascar pictures that somebody took through a hole in the concrete or something like that when they timed it out so that the the car was exactly through this tiny little hole in the concrete and so that's what we're saying when something's not moving you know the object in the foreground isn't moving like you really need to do something to make that an interesting picture uh what's the other one i like to read read stuff was very very good i like the foreground i think it I kind of wish that the guy in the background was doing something a bit more interesting. But the foreground, I think the guy with the tongue out and everything, I think it's very, very good. Um, Slim Shodi, you can't cut his feet, but you really, really just cannot do it. The fact that his, the, the guy in the back, his um, face is uh, framed by the uh, the arm of the uh, the other guy. I think it's very, very good. Bolden women's hockey. No, this is not very, very interesting. You've done, you've done what we asked you to do, but the, anything, the, what's happening in the foreground is not very interesting. What's happening like in the background is not interesting either. Simon A. West. I wish you could have done something with this, meaning that if you're going to use the the post, the whatever the padding on the post, I'm sure there are other ways you can kind of use that creatively. Maybe using the colors, maybe using the shape to kind of like create something like a bit of a story within that that frame it feels like you've just kind of like just you know was waiting for the action to happen right there and you just shot that one and kevin i said well i said it wasn't very very good and that's kind of how i see it anyone else blah 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 michael yeah it's okay but i w i think if you cropped it a bit more on the left so you can only really just see the uh, the 37 and not like whatever is kind of hanging on the left side of uh of him, that would actually have been better the next one should be 
quite challenging as well. But really keep it up. I think it's been very, very good. I wish more people will participate because it's one of those things that the more you do these things, like we are trying to get you out of your own comfort zone. So you basically get yelled less the uh, the training ground. If I'm slurring, that means I'm tired, but you know, I love you guys. So I keep on doing it. All right. That's it for assignment desk. And we will move on to masterclass. If you came here looking for information on Training Ground, you are out of luck. We've moved it to YouTube and therefore you'll get to see your rewards and punishments on video. Go to youtube.com and search Big Lens Fast Shutter for separate words. Masterclass. In Masterclass, we pick a topic in sports photography and we serve it on a plate to your ears. If you have something to say, please tell us at BigLensFastShutter.com. And if you have money to give to us, please go to Patreon.com slash BLFS. And that is P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash B-L-F-S. Masterclass. So we decided to do something a bit more seasonal. And since it is fall, winter, moving more towards winter, but not where... Matt lives because there's no winter there unless you go towards the mountains. It's cold. Like it's like minus three yesterday Celsius over here. So it's getting very, very cold over here in Berlin. The roads are getting icy. We might see some snow in the future. We want you to kind of like incorporate the season of winter into your photography. So let it be snow or let it be the breath of, uh, you know, breath in general anything that we can associate that with winter that'll be great those of you who are living in the southern hemisphere it is summer so for all those south american people in the australian the oceanic region of the world so please send us your summer pictures but you know i think i don't know how, how many like australian brazilian people we have but that's kind of how it is so we're not gonna like you know say i think we should anybody Anywhere where it's warm right now, I really don't have any. I don't want to talk to any of those people. Wait, but it's not that it's not that cold in California right now. It was below freezing this morning. Below freezing in California, it, it never gets it cold was, there. <laughs> it Since was thirty when? degrees this morning. It was frost all over everything. What's thirty degrees? It's like what two degrees uh, Celsius? Yeah, freezing is thirty-two. Zero. Okay, mm-hmm. that's weird, huh? It was very cold. I froze my ass off this morning. Oh, poor Matt. <laughs> Yeah, it's like anyway. You know, get, yeah, no. Anyway, um, yeah, cold stuff. Yeah, a couple things to keep in mind. So winter here, most of the time, actually all of the time here means rain. So that means you know trying to if you're shooting something in the rain, trying to accentuate the effect of the water so that you know people slipping or mud. It's football. There's a collision and the the water flying off of the players. It means taking care of your gear. You know having some kind of cover. I use the think tank hydrophobia covers which are really good that's important because you can shoot out in the rain the gear is waterproof but your gear is not going to last as long as it would if you keep it mostly dry i can tell you i don't really shoot in the snow all that much but i have shot snowboarding before it's a whole different kind of thing and this wasn't even backcountry or anything this was just you know at a resort but it does get cold you do have to keep yourself warm you do have to keep your gear from 
uh, not fogging up. So you want to put your bag outside well before you're going to shoot. If you, oh yeah, I forgot about that. Huh? Oh, yeah. If you come outside from yeah. you know it being warm and you go outside and you just you know take off your lens cap and start shooting, uh, your gear is going to be fogged up for as long as it takes to get to the temperature that it is outside. Probably about half an hour. There's nothing you can do. You can wipe down the lens, but until that glass normalizes with the temperature outside, there's going to be fog on it. And you're not going to be able to shoot at all but that's a very very big uh that's very important you know that's super super important huh? yeah, yeah i mean you know generally you'll have enough time outside but the thing is that if you were counting on having that time to practice or get the exposure right or something like that you won't have that time and maybe you'll just your camera will be defogging by the time the event starts or something and then you're starting off cold which isn't good so you can just take your whole bag and put it in the car or outside or something where it can get to the temperature that it is outside. And that's, you know, if you're inside and it's 72 and you go outside and it's 20, that's a really big change. So keep the stuff outside for a little bit. And then the other thing is that batteries do not do well in the cold at all. So you can't just keep batteries in the bag and let them normalize to the temperature because they will, if you can use them at all, it's only going to be for a few minutes. Like they just really do not do well at those kind of temperatures. So you need to keep the batteries either on an inside pocket where your body heat is going to be keeping them warm, or you can get glove warmers or boot warmers, which are like these little packets of chemicals that you can activate. And then they have a certain temperature for a while and you can get those. I've used those to keep batteries warm before. That's also just as important as the keeping the gear at the right temperature because either way, if, if you're on the losing side of that, you're not getting any pictures at all. If you want like to take a um, picture of people breathing, get a little bit of smoky kind of breathing coming out of people's nose and mouth, make sure you shoot against a black background or a very, very dark background because otherwise you won't be able to see it. It's a seasonal thing. So I'm saying like it's if, if you have something that's like Christmas related, like you have Santa Claus in the um, the background, or if Santa Claus is playing sports, we'll absolutely take that as well. If you're not Christian like me and if you're Jewish like Matt, you can go for Hanukkah stuff. I don't know what they kind of dress us in uh, for the Jewish festival, so you can do that. But any like end of the year festivity type of like situation and that's in the um, the sports arena, like whatever you're actually shooting in terms of sports, that's totally fine as well. So you really want to kind of see the season of winter and also kind of like maybe December as well. That's really about it. Huh? I mean, like if you're not shooting like winter sports. So like, for instance, like someone like Kevin who shoots hockey, you cannot send us hockey pictures because that's just unless it's outside. Hockey is OK, but what the key is the ice. So we want to see pictures where the ice. Ah, uh, yeah ice chips you know something like that is the dominant theme it can't just be just dudes playing hockey, a hockey picture yeah. it has to be yeah it has to be focused on what's cold about it. remember like the whole theme is winter and december and that kind of stuff so like make sure that comes through very very clearly otherwise it's just another sports picture and we don't really want to see that now do we that was masterclass <laughs> If you're listening to this on iTunes, rate us. The higher we are rated, the more popular we are. And one day we might be featured as the top sports photography podcast. Welcome to Pledge Q.
cues. Pledge cues are for people who have pledged a significant amount of their monthly allowance to us. And by doing so, you get to ask questions on our Flickr group page. So first of all, you can go to patreon.com slash BLFS and pledge $10 or over to us. That will give you the allowance to ask us questions on the uh, podcast. If you have actually pledged, you want to know where to put your questions, you go to flickr.com and search for Big Lens Fast Shutter. And one of the threads will be listener cues. And write that will be EP whatever. Like, you know, we'll be 61 next time. But this one's 60. We have questions. It comes from Michael Moza. I have a question regarding traveling by plane. When I'm going to a football game abroad, I'm using my Think Tank Airport V2 loaded with two cameras, 400, 400 2.8, 72 2.8, laptop, card reader, etc. Of course, I take it onto the plane, what leads to discussion every now and then because of the weights. We actually, I actually I wrote about this as well, by the way. Huh? Especially when there's a bad weather forecast, I need to take some stuff against the rain with me, and a trolley is full. How do you take personal stuff, clothes with you, extra backpack, or what about third camera? Any hints? Okay, so I'm going to go because I do this every week. First of all, if you're taking low-cost airlines in Europe, um, you're usually allowed one bag. And the one bag, um, places like EasyJet, there is no t- uh, weight limit. So you can just basically, you know, put in as many stuff as possible in the bag. As long as that bag fits into the frame that they're asking you to fit into it. That's one. There are other air, uh, low-cost airlines like uh, Ryanair, which will allow you to actually take another bag with the big like think, uh, think tank bag. That's also fine as well. What becomes quite problematic are like the actual major airlines, whether it be Air France or Lufthansa or Delta or all these things. I don't know about Delta. I think Americans have like a different rules for all these things they're very 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 strict with the the amount of uh, stuff you can actually carry in your bag and that usually is 10 kilograms it's like what 15 pounds is it 10 kilograms 15 pounds something like that it's very not that much because the bag itself weighs about five not even five maybe three four kilograms and if you're carrying two bodies and then a big lens and a couple other lenses i guess it's game over and your laptop on top of that as well so what I usually do is I beg, like a beg, and I show them like I cannot have this checked in because A, it will break, and B, the airline will not, 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 not give you any money if it breaks. Like they're not, they don't have insurance against it, and insurance probably won't cover it either. So you have to tell them you're a professional photographer, and if it's really necessary, like you'll take everything out and put it in your pocket and go on the airplane. Because what they're worried is that you have a bag full of very heavy things. If you're lucky, they won't ask. If you're unlucky, you have to really, you know, basically negotiate with them. I do really emphasize the fact that I'm a professional photographer. This is what I need. You're not going to, you know, basically pay me any money if any of these equipment breaks, blah, blah, blah. And most of the time, it's okay. If you're just going there for one night, you can basically, like, I, I try to, like, bring as minimal clothes as possible. So, like, you know, underwear t-shirt socks and that's it because the rest of the stuff you're gonna you know wear in jeans again the next day everything's like that's fine having an extra you can, if you want to check in a bag at that point it's gonna cost you money and you don't want to do that if you're just gonna go in for like one night maybe even two nights i can i've done two three nights as well in one camera bag and it's possible third camera maybe you can just like put in on the, on your shoulder and that'll be it if it's not gonna fit into your bag 
But the main thing you can do to get more space in your bag is to take all the dividers. The yeah, dividers? Take, take, take them yeah. all out. Take them all out. Because they take up a lot of space. And what I put in instead is that I basically pack all my um, cameras and lenses in a lens coat stuff. And that works very, very well because it protects. And on top of that, it um, saves a lot of space. So lens coat, very, 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 very good. They make very good stuff, neoprene stuff. And that saves a lot of space and weight as well. Any stuff? Well, you travel by car anyway, no? Well, no, I fly a good bit. I'm flying tomorrow. Um, I'm <laughs> having a little bit of stress about getting my, all my stuff there. I'm not even taking a 70 to 200. Like everything I'm taking is shorter than that. Some flashes and pocket wizards and stuff, plus my computer and a couple of bodies and three lenses or four lenses. I'm trying to figure out how to fit all that into, I have a think tank shapeshifter bag so I can fit my computer in there. So I don't need to take a different computer bag, but it's still going to be tight and it's still going to be pretty heavy. They don't have a thing about weight for carry-ons here which is good. I, you know, I'm sure they will eventually, but the question from Michael, I, you know, I guess this is a fairly common thing. Like I've had, uh, I've had issues with this. I've had multi-leg flights for clients where my, my, my contract, when I fly anywhere, they have to fly me in either business or first class so really? that I, yeah, well, cause I have to get on the plane early enough to make sure that there's room in the overhead bin so that my roller can fit in the overhead bin. Cause I can't check it. Because if you're going to a shoot, you you know, even if you were to check it, which I don't recommend ever doing, there's not going to be enough time in between when you get there and for them to find your luggage if they shipped it somewhere that it shouldn't have been. I did have to go somewhere where I had to take a really small plane for the second part of it. And I, I had to basically take all my camera gear out of my camera bag and put all my clothes in it and then put all my camera gear into my laptop bag. And I had to take my 400 and it was just on my lap for the whole time. So sometimes you have to do what you have to do. But this gets into if you're worried about space, then I don't know if a third body is the best thing. Because if, you, if you're going somewhere and space is a problem, that would probably be the first thing that I got rid of. Like I'm always going to have enough clothes. I'm always going to have the two bodies and the lenses that I need. Third body is kind of like a luxury and that's something that you can shoot around. If you if you have the third camera for the celebration at the end of it, then end up taking the 7200 off and putting a wide angle lens on that camera and then sprint out on the field or something. I would do that before I worried about fitting a third camera into the bag. And then the rest of it, definitely take the dividers out. They take up way more space than you would think. And then you can wrap, if you have the the rain gear or whatever you can wrap your lenses up in the rain gear you have to be smart about it you'd be surprised how much those space those dividers take up because i have all of the dividers that i don't use for both of my roller bags all together and it takes up like a whole drawer those things if you can figure out a way around that either the neoprene like Rhi was saying or wrap up your clothes or your rain gear or something like that around the lenses you'll be able to to fit a bunch more stuff in ways around it like i got a uh, this is like turning into a think tank commercial, but I got a think tank bag called the Glass Taxi, which is a backpack that can hold like, I think you can fit like 500 or something, 400, five, 300, 400 or 500 in there, depending on how you configure it. And so you can use that, like some airlines, you can bring one bag and then a personal item. And so you can say that that is your personal item, even though it's really big, it's still a backpack. And most of the time, 
they'll let you do it. The only other thing I'll say about any of this, what Ryu was saying about negotiating with them, you can actually do that. You can't do it in front of other passengers. So the best thing to do is kind of like either whisper or get the gate attendant or something away from the other people because they'll make an exception, especially if you tell them how expensive this stuff is and that you're in a jam because you know that you can't check it because they're not going to take responsibility for it. Usually they'll take pity on you, but they can't do it if they have, if they realize that they'll have to make an exception for every single person in line. So you can't like make a big deal out of it. You have to do it on the quiet side of things. So uh, Michael K asks, this is episode 60, and as we know, anything ending in zero is a milestone. Of course it is. In the course of doing this, you've reviewed thousands of photos from aspiring sports photographers. Yes, we have. What's the one mistake you see your audience make constantly that if corrected could have the most positive wow, impact on their work? And what have you learned from your audience over this time, aside from the fact that most are cheapskates and won't pony up a few bucks to support the show? <laughs> Bravo, Michael. Bravo. That's a good question. Yeah, Michael is one of our favorites. <laughs> wow, let me think about it. One mistake. No, this is easy. This is this is easy. People play it too safe. They get to a level where they're happy. We talk about this all the time. It's two guys in a ball and you freeze the action and you get it in focus. And a lot of people just don't even think mm. about seriously moving beyond that. Boil that down into what's the mistake they're making. It's just being too timid. They're not risking anything. And, you know, this is something that I, I keep meaning to either write about or talk about on the podcast, but you have to risk bad pictures to get good pictures. And I think that some people, they just, they, they don't, they don't risk anything. I think for me, because I try to like take non-action photos as much as possible. Not that I don't really want to, because I just don't really feel like that's kind of what I want to. And I really go for the emotional stuff and just kind of like the ambient ambiance of the whole thing. And people kind of forget that sports, but for me, like what, you know, we, whenever we have the emotion type of um, masterclass, people really suck at it. And I don't really understand why, because it is one thing that sports really brings out, especially really at amateur levels, it's the winning and losing. And people are so concerned about the action that they don't really concentrate on the emotional side of sports. And that's one thing that I really want people to kind of get into it more because that will show a lot more than just two guys going for the same ball. And what have you learned from your audience over this time, aside from the fact that most of Chiefs get people, people are cheap. And I, well, we, we've discussed it ad nauseum. But some people are very generous, and we like that. If you obviously find any of the information interesting, and we have provided a lot of content throughout the years, it's like, you know, a couple of Starbucks uh, coffees, and you basically get this wonderful, wonderful information that we give basically for free. So if, if you don't obviously feel guilty about taking, you know, basically our time and really literally money and just using it for your own benefit, that's fine. But I think we provide really good content available anywhere in the world, right? I don't think it's not, it's not, it's any, it's, it's really, you, you, yeah, you definitely can't get this no. anywhere else. And, and I'll, I'll just, I'll add this. We haven't really been super aggressive. I think that that's going to be coming in the new year. Uh, we're going to get more aggressive and more. I think we're probably going to move some more things to paying people only because I, I, I think there's probably not enough incentive. But really think about it this way. Ryu just got back from traveling to Japan to shoot. I'm leaving tomorrow morning to go out of town to shoot. This was literally the only time that our schedules synced up for us to be able to do this. Literally a two week period. This was the only time. And I'm 
not doing what I should be doing right now. Like I should be finalizing the plans for this trip and packing and making sure that everything that I need is set up so that I can go shoot for the next week. I'm not doing that because we have some people who are paying for this. And so I don't want to shortchange them, but that balance is very tricky. And the more people who support us, the easier it is to make that choice, the less people that do and the more people that participate without supporting us makes it way more difficult to do this. So if you are listening to this and you're not supporting us, please consider giving us five or $10 a month. It's, it's really, it's, I feel ridiculous for asking because it's really not any money at all. If you're shooting at this level where you have like some professional gear or something like that, it's, this is nothing. And it's the least you can do. Also, no, we're not going to get any sort of sponsors either because we don't really want to have sponsor kind of generated contents and things like that. I mean, we really want to be sponsored by you guys. And that's what we it really drives us. This is a really user generated, you know, content. Like if it's not for you guys, then we're not going to be here. But we want this to be a beneficial thing for both parties, us and you. The other thing is that if you actually don't want to pay, but if you want to like then bring other people, if you actually don't want to pay, but if you want to like get other people to pay for you, like you can actually bring in other listeners from wherever it is. You can actually, you know, advertise for us. That'll be great as well. So instead of actually you paying, you get you have like, you know, five, six other people paying. That'll be great. That'll be really, really good. If that's the route you want to take. Uh, people who are already paying, if you want to get more people to listen to our show or if you think this is actually good for other people, please, 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 please advertise and ask and just say this is a very, very good show. If you really are into sports photography, it probably is the only show in town. And like, even if I think it's the only show in town, I think it's a very, very good show because I, we've done it for such a long time and we have good content. We really, really do. So love us more, like I say and support us because you know with money <laughs> not love <laughs> all right simon a west asks techie question for matt and this d5 make this short okay when i'm shooting rugby with the d5 i'm getting problems with autofocus shifting to either the background or foreground players when shooting a series of shots as the autofocus is so good on this camera it must be or my setting i'm shooting on d9 with focus tracking set to three and erratic pretty sure that i've kept a focus point where i want it focused any suggestions on changes I should make to change uh, the to the setting or just get better at using the camera with players in front of the focused on players? I think it's the settings at this point. I, I don't like the erratic setting. I don't think that's for sports. I think that when they're talking about erratic, it's like for birds or, ah. um, you know, something like that. Like I think that if you're shooting people and they're, they're running around or whatever, I just don't think that that is what the computer and the camera sees as being erratic. So I think that it's moving it around more because it's looking at like hands at that point or something. So I think that it's easier to slip off of the focus if it is on erratic. I would stay on nine. I think that's in like the new firmware. I don't think it had a nine before. I think it was, I think 15 was the minimum or something. Hmm. I would stay on nine if that works for you. And I would mess around with the number. I don't have the camera in front of me, unfortunately, right now. I, I would do two things. I would either put it to the longest focus tracking and see how that goes. And if not, I would put it on a shorter, near the shortest part of it. And then hopefully you're using the back button to focus. And I would just get really good in and out on the focus. So if something comes out of focus, you can just 
raise your thumb and put it back down and that'll reset everything. That's what I do when I'm shooting something that's particularly tricky is just really work your thumb. If it comes off, you just take your thumb off, put it back on. Usually that will take care of it. But I think that probably the erratic is, is what's doing it. I would take it off of that, put it on the other one. I think you'll probably be better off at that point. Um, if not, I come back to us again and I'll see the next time I'm out what to do about that. Kevin Sosa asks, looking to buy a third body and I can't make up my mind to buy old technology, 1D Mark IV, or just go big and get the new one. I'm assuming he's, he means 1DS Mark II. People tell me that I can expense new technology. Of course you can and write it off against my earning. Yeah, but just how it works, huh? Some photographers also argue that leasing is the way to go. Confused. Yeah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't lease. No, just buy it. I can't imagine that that's a very good deal. It's like leasing if you're gonna sell it later on, anyway. You know, I wouldn't. I wouldn't lease. Um, people talking about third bodies here and second body. Okay, I. I think it's important. I think it's important to have your first and second body be exactly the same. Third, I'm. I'm not super concerned really about that. I would say that if you're down to a Mark IV or the newer Mark II, I don't know that the difference when you figure out what the resale value of the newer one is going to be when you eventually sell it, you're probably, it's probably all the same. Anyway, I'm a big believer in having the same kind of cameras. For the longest time when I was shooting with D3Ss, my third and fourth bodies were D3s just because I had them around. Those cameras are, they operate identically. The only difference was um, the buffer size and the, the sensor, you know, had a little bit higher uh, noise reduction performance. They were basically the same cameras. And so I knew one was a way getting fixed or cleaned or something like that, that I would be able to shoot basically the same way. I don't know what the controls are like, if there's a big difference between controls, but that would be, if the Mark IV's controls are more or less the same as the newer one, then I would just get the older one if it's your third body. If not, then I would get the newer one just to match because it really just comes down to if you're shooting the third body it's probably like a spray and pray kind of situation you really want to know where that your fingers are in the right spot and you don't want to have to be hunting down when you're not even looking at the camera so these questions i think we're pretty deep in the weeds on you know we're talking about a third pro body for most people save the money if you can but if it's going to be a situation where the controls are really different then i would get whatever you have now for your other bodies I mean, if it's mainly going to what a remote situation, I just go for Mark Four and not Mark Two. If it's if it's a remote, yeah, yeah they, right. I, um, I wasn't thinking about that. If it's a remote camera, you should absolutely no. get the the cheapest good camera that you can get because you're only you know you're only playing mm -hmm. with it before to set it up or whatever. I was thinking more like to have at your side if you have a long lens and a seventy to two hundred, then you have like a wide angle or something like that. But if yeah, if it's a remote, there's no question about it. Get the older one. Yeah, but he doesn't say it's a remote, but that's assuming that if it's a remote, then yeah, that's that. Um I agree with the fact that like I'm using the D five right now, the loaner from Nikon and and some of the functions are different and it really pisses me off. So I need to kind of make a decision as well whether or not I'm going to buy two D5s or stay with a D4S and because of the fact like it's the, there is a significant change in controls in that reader brain big time. It's kind of like having one full frame camera and um, crop sensor, you know, it's like it's just terrible.
Think we only got bad things to say about sports photography? You say we got no soul? Hell no. We're going to prove you wrong with... Time to hold your fellow sports photographer's hands as we tell you why a specific sports photograph makes us quiver with joy. Today we're going to be talking about more than one photograph, actually. A friend of mine sent me a link to the portfolio of a photographer named Jone Jutras, who is, I'm told, a woman and is in Canada. I think she shoots a lot of the CFL, which is not a real league. She is shooting way above the level of anybody who's shooting the NFL right now. This is really, really impressive work. And we were talking just now about whether we're going to pick a picture or not. And I really don't want to pick a picture because I think that what's going on here and what people should look at are, first of all, look at all of them because this is really great work. This is, these are special pictures that definitely have like a perspective and, a, you know, there's a thought process behind her look. But I want you to focus on the wide angle pictures that get either the whole stadium or a bunch of players at the same time. There's one here that's barely even a sports picture, but it's just so nice. It's, she's obviously in a really tall building. It's like the sunset and there's a stadium in the foreground and you can see like the city and the outlines of the streets and whatever. Like this is really well done. And it's not something that people would generally think of as sports photography, but this kind of picture looks really good in a portfolio. It shows that you've thought beyond just two players and a ball. It shows that you decided, okay, well, just having one more game's worth of pictures and probably even like less than that because you could go up into this really tall building and still not miss the whole game. But you, you sacrificed, you know, you said, okay, I had an idea and you went up there at the exact right time of year and the right time of day. And you got this crazy sunset with the field really small in there. And that's just really good stuff. I'm just really a big fan of this. The other one of the players running on the first one in here where you can see the grandstand in the background and then the players running on the field with the fireworks going off is the colors on that and the point of view is is really nice and then fireworks where there's it's a wide angle picture with three players and she's framed the one picture in the middle with these two big guys on the on the sides of it with the fireworks in the air like it, you know you you get out there and you want to have like a detail picture and you want to see people's faces and you want to see their muscles or making a great play or whatever but Something like this, where you can take a step back and say, okay, I have lots of action and I want to show these guys and their uniforms and what it means to be on the team. You know, you're dressing like everybody else and you're in the same place as everybody else. I, I think that this is really cool. Just the composition of it. Again, it's barely even a sports picture. And if it weren't for the uniforms, it wouldn't be. But these are things, again, that you can use in your portfolio to to show that you're thinking about more than just two guys in a ball. So I'm just like looking at her Instagram account and like looking at her pictures. Yeah, she understands the game very, very well. And she basically gets moments that little normal people don't usually get. And basically these these pictures usually don't get published either, which basically goes down to kind of like the fundamental problem we, right, we have right now with sports photography is that 
the editors basically go for the uh, the safest option available and they don't really go for creative stuff that someone like she does and it's a shame because she takes very very good pictures and these then that should be applauded and not really like saying oh she takes artistic pictures no this is a very very good sports picture and that should be seen as such and not something kind of like other stuff but also as you can probably see like she's got good access as well she goes into a lot of different places like in the locker room and things like that which probably actually won't be available in the nfl so either she does like a little stuff like an official capacity or maybe she does like have ends with like certain uh, teams and that really goes a long way because that means you get to go closer to the players itself just like in distance wise but also for the fact that you can just like see certain moments there's one with the player in the the tub after uh, the game and you don't get to see that if you're just a normal photographer working in the nfl or the cfl it's very very good huh? you should just have a look we will definitely have the link posted onto the um the post of this entire podcast uh, thank you very much for actually like giving us all the information and then tips on like which places and people that we can actually go and check out for cross counter that's gonna be very very helpful thank you And with that, we end the 60th episode of Big Lens Fast Shutter. Can't do this without you, my beautiful listeners. And obviously, Rob with two Bs, our wonderful producer extraordinaire, 60. Even if you're not as evil as Matt Cohen, please go to our Facebook page and like us. That will be Big Lens Fast Shutter. Better yet, do that and subscribe to our blog at BigLensFastShutter.com so that you won't miss any of our latest and greatest hits. And if you love us even more, please rate this podcast on iTunes. And obviously, if you have that dollar in your pocket or $10 in that pocket, please go to patreon.com slash BLFS to recap Facebook, blog, iTunes, and Patreon. P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash BLFS. Rinse, repeat, love us more. See you next month. Yeah, okay. Which is quite interesting, you know? You never, like, you know. Um, yeah. And, yeah. So. No, you can. You can. No, you can no. It um yeah, really fuck Apple, which I'm recording on Mac right now. Pro, like oh my god, <laughs> yeah. I might just like go to Windows or something at some point. Anyways, yeah, but you know, you know what I mean. Yeah, that sucks, man.